I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Nerdy Show Prime episode. Hello, I am Hex. Tribe Force Mike. And I'm Cap. And this episode is called Nerdcore, the past, present, and future of nerd music. It was a uh, topic from one of our support drives suggested by the fans who decided to support this listener-funded uh, podcast you were listening to with their hard-earned money, and we thank you very kindly. So we decided to put on a special episode for you. This is a pet project of Hex's, <laughs> who is known in some circles as the, uh, I guess, the man who knows more about the nerd nerd music genres, all of them, than uh, than any other living person. Well, I, I myself don't believe that, and that's why I invited some guests to help us out to uh, clarify anywhere where I'm horribly wrong. But first... First, yes. First, what you just listened to was Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al from his 1985 release, Dare to be Stupid. It kind of goes without saying that if we're going to have a nerd music episode, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the big influences on several scenes was the Transformers <laughs> animated movie. Transformers movie. Yeah. Dare to be Stupid, the song's so devolutionary. That it greatly offended Mark Mothersbaugh at how perfect it was. <laughs> Joining us are, are uh, helping us out to make sure that uh, I give you the most correct information ever. <laughs> and to uh, supplement with first-hand knowledge of what it's like to be a musician in uh, the nerdcore and nerd music scenes, we have none other than Z from Hipster Please. Uh, ahoy hoy. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Warrock. Hello. Now, gentlemen, I guess we're starting with starting with Z. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Why are you important? I know more about nerd music than any dead person, I guess. <laughs> if uh, if Hex has the living cornered, then See, I'll, I'll take care of the other end. I still don't think I have the living cornered. I still th I, I consider myself an apprentice at best underneath Master Z. Oh, come on. You, you, at the very least, you have the other half of this amulet, Hex. <laughs> <laughs> the amulet that says best friends. I'm just glad that people get that reference. That's how you know you got a good crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam Warrock. Now, <laughs> any regular listener of Nerdy Show knows you. For starters, we generally play an Adam Warrock track every episode. <laughs> yeah. For reasons in both quality and volume. Volume meaning quantity, I guess, in this case. <laughs> no, they're loud. I turn it all the way up. You, in the last two years of our top 20 nerdy things list, you were number six in 2010 and number five in 2011. Yep. The only way to go is down, looks like. <laughs> no, no, I think, I, I think you're going wise. up huge. I think if you can just keep coming up with albums for another three or four years, you can get up to the top, man. Well, interesting you say that, Z. Uh, I have an album coming out in <laughs> a couple of weeks. But yeah, it's funny because I am the farthest thing from an authority on Nerdcore. And uh, I remember we were actually talking about, me and Hex were talking about this earlier, about when I was in Orlando for the MC Chris tour, I think he was so happy to talk to somebody who just was very interested in the history of it because I, I actually don't really know the history like deeply. It's kind of weird being in a scene that you don't necessarily, you didn't necessarily have the, the strongest connection with before you started making music. And I mean, I've talked with, I've talked with Z about this too. We have, we've had long conversations about this too, because it seems like everybody has to have some sort of a complex relationship with uh, the subgenre in a very loving and passionate way. So I'm interested to contribute nothing but what does that mean? Or who are those people questions the whole time? <laughs> yeah. When we hung out that night and, uh, and you and Hex had a long uh, into the dead of the night conversation about the history of Nerdcore, that was one of... Followed by even longer and deader into the night discussion about comics with Tribe One. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I stumbled into the tail end of that. Yeah. That was like... 
Oh, this is cool. I, I think that Hex, in many ways, has actually structured this episode around that discussion and certain things that made him think of. So that was, in, in many ways, aside from the, just the topic in general, a genesis for this episode. I'm going to take a moment right now to thank everyone who made this episode possible and, in fact, makes Nerdy Show possible on a regular basis via our monthly support drives. If you support us, we send you cool stuff in your email. And another cool stuff happens, too. But it changes from month to month, so check it out. This was originally requested in September of 2011. It was our zombie topic support drive, where we took topics that had been propositioned to us in previous support drives, and they didn't make it. And so we said, all right, this time, no new ones. You're only choosing from ones that people have already suggested. And this one rose up from the ashes. It was originally suggested by a guy named Darconi. It was the third topic that was started in August with the pitiful amount of $1.95. These are his words, not mine. I really do want to know the history of Nerdcore because more than its content, it's the culture that interests me and music is a wonderful way to explore culture. I was surprised when it won the zombie topic drive, especially since financial woes made me not able to donate to it myself. I'm really grateful to those who did donate to it. Thanks, everyone. I chose this topic because I listened to Nerdy Show and have fell in love with music that I would have uh, have never otherwise knew existed. Thanks to you guys, I found music that I can relate to. It feels so much more real than anything you can hear on the radio. Any sense of pretension is lost. The messages are right there, without being muddled down, without selling out. Thank you to everyone who donated, and thanks to you guys for bringing me into this culture. And thank you, Darconi. That really heartfelt and touched me deeply. Aww. And touch um, you deeply. And I'll, uh, we got to give shout-outs to Anti-Luke, Ross Butler, Big Bad Shadow Man, Blame the Wizards, El Golem, Flaninja, Sage Zero, Darren Reed, <laughs> and Archaeus, all of whom made Nerdcore, the past, present, and future of nerd music a possibility. But then we also need to give thanks to everybody who donated in that month, that month of September, because you're all awesome. The top two topics were, other than this one, were Canada... And what lies beneath New York City. One of these days we're going to do that episode. But both those, both those episodes All have right. been recurring in our donation drives. And sooner or later, guys, you're going to get this. Don't give up. I really want both of those. Yeah. yeah never give up. It's going to be so awesome. I'm going to put on a toque for Canada. I'm going to make some back bacon. It's going to be wonderful. And then, <laughs> and you know, what lies beneath New York City. That's going to be cool. We're going to talk to some spelunkers. Some urban explorers. You know, and also some Ninja Turtles. You, you bet your ass we are. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Kausabalu, Big Bad Shadow Man, who's actually a multiple topic donor. He spanned this whole month with support, and we thank him. Raven, Flawed Spirit, Tolan, Lichlord, and Jonathan. David Funky, Barry I, Kyogen, Lefty Lucy, who's now the more intimate she's become with Nerdy Show. Now she's disqualified from donating. So <laughs> this is, I think, the last one she was allowed to donate to. Nev the Deranged, Phazon Chaos, Stuart Edney, Muckraker, Frostproof. So, Hex, this is the intro segment. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to do in this intro segment, or should we cut to some more amazing nerd music well, and then I get wanted, into this? People are going to have some expectations of exactly what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Yeah, right? lay it out. And I want people to know that uh, we could go on about what are influences of nerdy music itself. We could go, yes, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air did Nightmare on My Street. Yes, Devo did Leaps and Bounds were totally influential for so many nerd musicians. We got uh, Weird Al. We got The Who with with a Pinball Wizard, <laughs> uh, which Mark argues is the first ever video game inspired music. But there even, was no video in that video game. Right. <laughs> we can even go even further and go, yeah, Beethoven was total nerd over the exact composition of his music. So I wanted to kind of have a cutoff date. Okay. Like exactly what were we looking at? 
it seems like around the year 2000, there was a major explosion, a simultaneous explosion throughout all these different nerd music communities in chiptunes, in video game inspired music, all these different genres kind of like that, that I kind of study at the study as independent nerd music were kind of starting these movements that are so prevalent today. Mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm an expert in every single genre of nerd music, but I definitely enjoy studying them and, and, and studying the culture and the music itself. And so that's kind of where what I'm using. So anything before 2000, I'm not really saying I'm, oh, there's a few dates, but I'm saying like that existed, that happened. Any big bands like Weezer or Ozma performing Tetris, stuff like that. It's, it's I don't really consider that part of the current nerd music movement. They were all incidents. Right. I mean, what, what do you, what do our guests think of that as a, as kind of a, a framing for this episode? Yeah, I, I guess if we're talking about a year zero for nerd music as a whole, it's definitely, it falls between 1999 and 2001. I mean, uh, Front A Lot, Optimus Rhyme, MC Chris, uh, Whitey Cracker, I think was maybe 98 or so. But yeah, all of those artists really sort of started to come into their own around that time. And again, this is the same time on the other end of the spectrum, uh, the mini bosses and Overclocked Remix was really kicking off. So I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Hex. In fact, the first chiptune song was actually in 1998. So I guess there's sort of a 98 to 99 gestation period. And then around 2000. The explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Things started to come together. What we have, since we were talking about the the little gestation period, why don't we play Nano Loop? Good point. Okay, Nano Loop is actually the first chiptunes track ever, at least on record. That you know, as in that was performed. Yeah, as in a piece of Game Boy music created outside of the purpose of scoring a video game. In in 1998, Oliver Witchow, who the previous year with Sebastian Burdock at the University of Hamburg. Yeah, Fine Arts of Hamburg, yeah. They started working on a music application for Game Boy, primarily in BASIC. And then in 1998, the first chiptune track, quote-unquote, Nano Loop, was performed in Cologne at a uh, bar for a lo-fi music competition programmed on the Game Boy for in, in, in C. Not in the, the chord, but in the language. Yeah. And uh, it won the, the lo-fi competition. So this is... That song. And then from 1999, after that point, in about 1999, they started selling cartridges with the program on it in Germany and then in the worldwide market in 2000. So uh, it's all kind of coming together. This is that song, Nano Loop. Nano Loop became a program you can now buy as an app for your iPhone. For <laughs> only $3. For only $3, you can <laughs> get a new version of the program that created the chiptunes genre. We'll have a link to where you can pick it up on this episode's page. This is Nano Loop.
So the two tracks following Nanoloop were two video game classics. First was Funky Pills, a Dr. Mario tribute by none other than Jake Kaufman, Vert, legend of video game music himself. Uh, that was performed back in uh, originally in 2001. After that was Castlevania by the Mini Bosses from their album Brass that came out in 2005. I guess it should be no surprise this is a music-heavy episode, so look forward to triple song blocks. Yeah, and with longer segments, we have, this is the most... This uh, is Hex's Candy Store episode, guys. Oh my gosh, I, I, I had to whittle it down from 27 tracks. I'm, so. I'm like looking at your list, and I was just commenting like, I like all these songs. <laughs> I don't know how you... I don't know, dude. I can't decide. Like, and there were so many tracks, like I don't have a one-ups track on here, and it, it pisses me off. Huh. But hey, there's our, well. How many tracks did you did you settle on, Hex? Seventeen. Seventeen. Well, let's tell the story. <laughs> okay, those so seventeen tracks tell. So, what is nerdcore? What is nerd music? This episode is called Nerdcore: The Past, the past present, present, and future, future of Nerd Music. I see some people. When I first started this, I thought nerdcore and nerd music were synonymous. That there's nerdcore and that video game rock could be considered nerdcore rock and that chiptunes could be called nerdcore electronic or something. Uh And I quickly learned that was a big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So many people now ask me, like, what makes a band nerdcore? And my answer is, well, do they call themselves nerdcore? If they do, then they're a nerdcore band. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. That's all it comes down to. Really? I mean, like, if someone is a nerdcore rapper, right, and they call themselves a nerdcore rapper, that's awesome. They're a nerdcore rapper. If someone is a nerdy rapper and do not like the title nerdcore, well, then guess what? They're a nerdy rapper. Oh. Who's who's an example of a nerdy rapper? On Again, Off Again, MC Chris. Sometimes he's a nerdcore rapper. Sometimes he's not. It depends Uh, on how he's feeling. Childish Gambino. True. Yeah. Would also be a nerdy rapper. He is a nerd. He raps, but he is not a nerdcore rapper. Right. And, uh, then, and then you have people like Lars who have, you know, kind of made their own little niche, his post-punk laptop rap stuff. Right. He has to uh, invent his own genre title if he wants to be in his own thing. Fine, whatever. And then you have people like MC Gigahertz, who totally parodies everything. He's, I'm absurdcore. I'm the only person allowed in my genre. <laughs> and, and if you want to talk about timelines and so on, there's people from that whole 1998 to 2000 gap, or at least who started their careers there, who are in fact nerdy rappers who continue to exist as nerdy rappers, but never ever fell into the nerdcore genre, such as Grand Buffet, who we often talk oh, about, yeah. Yeah. as being like, I mean, that was the first nerdy rap I ever heard. Yeah, same and here. It blew my mind. Same here. Guys aren't nerdcore. And then uh, similarly, Orlando Local, who uh, resurfaces from time to time, Cracker Jackson. Uh, again, that same kind of age group of nerd rapper who is very nerdy, dude has songs about D&D, lightsabers, all that stuff. Like, kind of stock nerdcore canon stuff. But man, once the nerdcore genre showed up, it kind of made him nervous. It kinda, he kind of didn't know what to do with it. That was his thing. There are some old guard people who exist outside of the nerdcore genre. Oh, definitely. Um, cool Keith comes to mind. Paul Barman, who I guess is kind of the uh, hip-hop equivalent of math rock, if you look at the way that he arranges verses and stuff and just sort of this geeky complexity to how he writes lyrics. And, of course, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, whose mm-hmm. protoculture, which was all about 
games and anime and stuff dropped uh, in 2000 from on uh, both sides of the brain. So yeah, there's there's definitely the the nerdcore outsiders, the non nerdcore nerdcore acts, as it were. De La Soul in that group too. Early De La Soul. I, I could I could see that. Yeah. I, could, I think a, a, an argument could be made for that. I remember when Kanye's uh, Stronger came out. Uh, the video came out. Everyone, the the rhyme torrents at the time, rhyme torrents for him were uh, buzzed. Like, does this make Kanye uh, nerdcore? Because uh, not only was it produced by Daft Punk, but the the video itself was an obvious homage to Akira. <laughs> I feel like that's less a nerd music thing than that is the actual reality that Kanye West truly lives in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and after all, that's not Akira's first appearance in music videos because uh, some clips from Akira were featured in the Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson song Scream so uh, that's right. <laughs> oh Matthew the Matthew Sweet girlfriend video was all anime yeah, as yeah I was well. gonna say Matthew Sweet was a, there was huge anime influence anime in does not there. does Real. not a nerd song make <laughs> as for what where the word nerdcore came from I was told by our own music historian Mark with a C the word nerdcore that he is first aware of actually dawned with the descendants really they called themselves nerdcore I had actually never heard the Descendants referred to as nerdcore. I, I know that there was always sort of a light undercurrent of, of punk rock that tossed the term around. But, you know, of course, when you're talking about nerdcore, it always comes back to, to front a lot because he's the man who, you know, built his career, sort of let other people franchise the term out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, in 2000, even if uh, the Descendants came up with the word nerdcore, the phrase nerdcore hip hop was born from front a lot. He is the progenitor of that pretty much cementing the word nerdcore, making it synonymous with nerdy the, rap. The first time I heard the term nerdcore was when I heard front a lot. My exposure was I had heard Grand Buffet, They Might Be Giants, things that were nerdy. And then all of a sudden, like uh, MC Chris on the ending of an episode of C-Lab. Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, it was the beginning of, uh, I don't remember the episode number, but it, when Fett's Vet played in that song, it was like, oh my god, this is a rap about Star Wars. Holy fuck. And oh so, shit, oh fuck. And so that's when I kind of, and that was around the time that I was downloading music and I started to discover things and then I discovered Front A Lot shortly after, I think maybe about a year after I had heard that song. And then at some point, everyone stumbled across MC Hawking. Lords of the Rhyme for a lot of us. Yeah. Man, that that's, wow, Lords of the Rhyme, that's taking me back. And so nerdcore, one way or another, it boils down to being synonymous with nerd, with hip-hop. So nowadays, if you try to, if you go up to Mustin, the video game legend, and say, hey man, I love your nerdcore music, he is going to give you the dirtiest glare. <laughs> he is going to give you a dirty glare. He's going to say, you made those songs I produced for Beefy, right? (laughs) Yeah, unless they're talking about Beefy, the beats for Beefy. He's going to glare at you. Hell, even Shale will glare at you nowadays if you call him nerdcore. (laughs) Since then, I've tried to corral people into using the phrase nerd music when they're trying to have this umbrella phrase. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but I mean, really, uh, rap music has... A specific type of nerd rap music has appropriated the term nerdcore. Right. So you just can't throw it around with everything else. I mean, some people are very genre sensitive. Most people don't really give a fuck, but some of them do. But you'll have people like uh, Lars, like, I'm not nerdcore. I'm not, uh, I'm post punk lap, top rap. Yeah. And then you'll have people. Right. (laughs) And then you'll have people like Uncle Monsterface, like, no, we're sock puppet rock band. Like, we are. Yeah. I guess maybe the the lesson here is that ultimately, if you're a nerd act, chances are you're not 
exactly confined to any one niche. I mean, you it can just kind of happen. I like, just want to know on iTunes what category to put them in so that I can <laughs> nerd. Go, go to get info and type in your own damn thing. <laughs> well, okay. let me ask you guys this because when you since I wasn't there at the birth of all this of the genre subgenre whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Was there ever a time when you guys had a complex relationship like so many new artists, like all new artists happen to have with it nowadays? Because, I mean, at the time that it was new and that it hadn't been around much and you didn't really know what to think about it or didn't have a, an association or preconception with it, did you guys ever dislike the phrase? Did you ever have weird kind of feelings about a, a genre of music that was taking these subjects? Or, or was it always just like a, a totally positive thing for you? I was always oh, huge. You you will not believe this, but the original point of angst for the nerdcore community was non-nerds creeping in there and and fronting on their nerdness. Like that was a serious issue. What do you, what, what do you mean? What do you having, mean? What do you mean fronting on their nerd? This idea that what we had was this beautiful special thing that was going to be exploited by outsiders. <laughs> Right. was a genuine concern. It's, it's, it's totally 180 degrees from now. You know, now when you have people who are very adamant about not wanting to be associated with it or at least not, you know, hanging their hat on that nail, there was a there was a legitimate fear early on that people were going to, quote unquote, jump on the bandwagon because apparently it was a much bigger bandwagon than, than, than I could see at the time. But, you know, we were kids then. We were younger. It was a different world. But that was how every single subgenre of hip hop back in the day of, of music really fought over. And, it, and, and it's funny because that was probably the most hip hop thing about it was our, you know, undue sense of superiority, which is just, you know, which is the great thing about any music subculture is that we're all so important as far as we're concerned. And the interesting thing was as weird and as self-destructive as that was, it really, I think, paved a path for a lot of the artists that we enjoy today. It was, it was I think, our trial by fire, at least our, our first chapter. For me, I started falling fully into all the different music when after, after I had the idea for Nerdapalooza. In 2005, I first got introduced to MC Chris, MC Frontalot, MC Hawking, and I started discovering that I've been, oh, I should actually rewind a bit. I've been a fan of OC Remix since 2001, and I've been following that, uh, uh, consuming as much media yeah. from that as possible. That's a good point. I remember when OC Remix happened, and I was just like, video game remixes. I never thought... Yeah, nerd I, genre thing. That was so long ago, I couldn't even tell you what year I was there. When, yeah. But man, it was a long time oh, ago. I, I remember vividly when I came across the site, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is amazing. This is what I've looked for. Oh my gosh, who's this Aelstron, and how is he doing this amazing rendition of Terra's music it, 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 to this metal? This, I, this You can do this? I, I remember I remember when uh, Brandon, uh, I don't remember if it was me or Brandon, one of us discovered OC Remix, and then told the other one. And that's that's Basically, yeah, exactly. It was just kind of like, I don't like I said. So, I and I didn't label it nerd music because I didn't see the trend then. And then yeah. I saw, came out of Nerdcore. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then at the, and I tell the story all the time. In 2007, I was starting to get more and more into Nerdcore hip hop. And I, at the show, I saw this band, a local band up in Arcata called Two Time Good Fighter, ska band. And between their original song on Mitosis and their cover of the Inspector Gadget theme song, I realized it clicked. I'm like... <laughs> I love nerd music. <laughs> I love this. I love OC Remix. I love MC Frontalot. 
I want to have a place where all this I want to have an orgy with all these bands. <laughs> Nerdapol orgy. That's how what can, I want. How can I facilitate this orgy? And so for me, like I've always I've always I, I've always identified as a nerd, as someone who is a little more meticulous and passionate than than the average uh standard by. And so because I've always connected with this kind of music. I grew up around Weird Al. My mom like fed me the food album on cassette. Like, <laughs> oh, like spoon fed it. And that's <laughs> Like, I grew up to this stuff. You were spoon-fed the food, the food album. album. I bet it's still stuck in there. <laughs> it is. I was going to say, that's that's got to play havoc with your digestive tract there. <laughs> that's, that's. I mean, so for me, I've always loved the idea of it being nerd music and being nerdy as something that I could connect to. And, and in 2007, once I had the idea for Nerdapalooza, like, it became a race of with me and all the musicians who would find each other first. <laughs> And it was so well, who, like, like what Z was saying earlier, are, were there any people that came into the scene early on that called themselves nerdcore, but were eventually not accepted as nerdcore? I mean, that are still at all around or were around for any consecutive number of years that would make a difference? The uh, things I can think of was, uh, you know, like the MC Chris drama. I, I'd say it's people who people have yeah. rejected nerdcore yeah. uh, based on, I guess, the glut of nerdcore music and how most of it uh, is of a dubious quality, you know, because they don't want to be associated with people who don't who want to make music and, and don't have kind of a professional integrity. And the people who were prof- who were attempting to be professional at the nerdcore genre felt threatened by it. And so they rejected it. But I don't think anybody's really been. Like faking. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's really. I mean, maybe early on there was a concern about fronting, but I don't think anybody's actually been like, no, these guys are straight up fronting. They aren't nerdcore. Uh. I mean, if that happened, it was probably like in someone's neighborhood, not like out publicly anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think, I've had. I think maybe MC Router was forced to wear a scarlet A for a while. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, sort I of like that, that but it's it's uh, more more than that. There's just you know, if you look, especially at those early rhyme torrents comps, it's just just a lot of guys that sort of faded into the woodwork after a while. Right. But that's, you know, that's natural selection, yeah. I think. I, I remember when I approached some musicians and, like, I know, like, I, I still, once again, it's I'm more used to the the opposite of people shying away from the word nerd. Like, when I approached Sean Faze on Tempstown Solution, I'm like, hey, man, I'm working on stuff for nerd music. He's like, what are you talking about, nerd music? I'm not a nerd. I mean, this man, he performed with a power glove and did video game covers and had... Uh, Has Konami tattoos. I know. And I'm like, how are you not a nerd? I don't get it. Does not compute. And so... Yeah, I mean, there's. You said it to him, you're like, does not compute. <laughs> Pretty and he's much. Like, he's like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> Goddamn nerds. And so there are those, like, like Router, that uh, people go, you're not really a nerd. You're, 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 you're doing the song Bugging Out, and that doesn't make sense. And we'll even, there's even stuff like Optimus Rhyme, where they, they had the awesome track MC Chipmunk, which is still my favorite <laughs> Optimus Rhyme tr- track, where they're pretty much called out MC Chris. And there's stuff like that. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. good. (laughs) Like, yeah, you'll have people call each other out, but it's still... That's that's like, that's rap. Yeah. You know? That's like... And and, in the other communities, you don't really have, like, in the OC Remix community, where they don't identify first and foremost (laughs) as nerds. They go, you are a poor musician. What are you doing here? Yeah. And in the Chiptune community, they kind of do have more of that sectarian kind of feel of purity. Where if you are not using the original hardware or software, you, my friend, are a faker. 
What are oh, you and, doing here? And, or if they catch you, uh, oh, let's say, scalping music from other artists and oh trying my to gosh. pass it off on your own, they yeah. will crucify your ass. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that and that should probably happen. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. No matter yeah. what the case. I, I approve. <laughs> that's why. That's why. If you even utter the word "crystal castles" around a, a chipping <laughs> show, you will you will just get pelted. Oh God. Uh, I can't even tell you how many times I've been like, hey, baby cakes, I want to get in your pants. I like nerd music. And she's like, this sounds like Crystal Castles. And I'm like, it's because they stood. (laughs) So that's I I, I know a little bit of that in chiptunes. And I've I've seen my good pal DJ RoboRop kind of have this cold reception of, oh, you use Fruity Loops. But do you know, Z, since you're more hip to wizard rock and like other fandom kind of genres, does that happen there? Not as much, but there there has been some. I think Wizard Rock for a while there was it was very stratified. You had your top tier, your Harry and the Potter, your Draco and the Malfoys, your Whomping Willows, and then you had sort of you know second tier, third tier. And I think after a while, especially as the fandom sort of waned with the with the last book coming out, I think there was some resentment from within the community that precipitated a little bit of that. But again, artists have these complicated relationships with each other. And I think that's just, you know, another example of one way things can go. Yeah. Well, to take us into the next segment where we are talking about the history of all the different genres, subgenres, communities, we have none none other than the anthemic mega nerd by Whitey Cracker from the Nerd Rap Entertainment System that came out in 2005. Megaran himself labeled this album as uh, one of the biggest influences for doing the Megaran album. Following that up, also a 2005 release is going to be Shale Riley's Bit Pop from uh, Toy Box. It's one of my favorites. It's a fun track, and I don't think we've actually played it, and... This is my chance to play all the uh, really fun nerd music that doesn't have a home elsewhere. My handle is the Wadi Cracker, the progenitor of all the nerd rap that you hear in the day. There was a time in my life when the ladies didn't dig me. I didn't get laid and I didn't have a big screen. Now they line up to see me, asking for a freebie. Cool down, be less needy. We're a little greedy. Back in the day when no one cared, sitting in our basements, face it. Hacking on computers, disassembling stuff Paid off in the end, now who got it rough? The beauty of the bond and the world of the switch Make a new generation of us geeksters rich We own those that made fun of us Try to make a run at us Beat us up in class, said yeah, there's a ton of us Who's laughing now? Cause most of us, your bosses The rest of you are flipping burgers, smelling secret sauces this is the life of a mega nerd, baby We doing things and we making it happen, right? From the trash 80 to a black Mercedes No one can stop us now cause we're keeping it nerdy, nice This is the life of a mega nerd, baby We doing things and we making it happen, right? From the trash 80 to a black Mercedes No one can stop us now cause we're keeping it nerdy, nice I hated Jim Cause I never was athletic I played a couple sports just to keep it copacetic But I found more in computers than I ever could in hooping Every time I wrote a go-to bitch I had that baby looping 
basically basic was the first language I spoke and I was telling apple deuces just where they could peek and poke I had a five and quarter floppy label please don't drop me used to load a million copies and no one could ever stop me lived in the computer lab no one could separate us and I never did my homework it's no wonder others hate us I get A's on all my tests so nobody could debate us now I'm shouting from the mountain STC we are the greatest Never get discouraged, just let your nerdy flourish Cause we're native to this code, and the rest are all just tourists If it ain't apparent now, then just wait a couple years When your gas is getting pumped by every one of those queers, yeah This is the life of a mega nerd, baby We doing things and we making it happen, right? From the trash 80 to a black Mercedes No one can stop us now, cause we're keeping it nerdy, nice This is the life of a mega nerd, baby Yankovic, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. At the time, Pete Smalvin was a stone man, standing at the juice bar, washing his hands. With the power of lunch and time shares to boot, he's an ink and god in a power suit. He can't stop with the world eating out of his hand. He can't sleep with the memory of the grudge band. He starts to recite this mantra. If there's one thing I know, son, it's how to play contra. Give me bed pop, give me bed pop, give me bed pop, give me bed, give me shimmy sauce and rock. Bed pop, give me bed pop, when you make a lyric, I hear it and make the whole thing dry. Things are outside of my head, they don't bring me down. They never bring me down. They don't bring me down. Things are outside of my head, they don't bring me down. No, 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 things are outside of my head, they don't bring me down. No, 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 things are outside of my head, they don't bring me down. Yep. 
just listened to was Helix Nebula by Animanaguchi from their 2006 release Power Supply. That is a that's a release that if you dig chiptunes in, in any way, you need that album. Uh, and it's free over at uh, 8-Bit People, so you have no excuse for not having that. And hey, links to where you can get all the sweet-ass music you've been listening to on this episode's page. 
So now is when we're going to break down what exactly is nerd music. What are the different communities that that we're aware of? There's there's obviously going to be outliers to everything because there's no way to identify Stovacore, which is Klingon metal, anywhere besides the Stovacore collection. Right, right. So, but we're going to try to do a do a quick history of all of these, uh, so you kind of have your bearing straight on. Where they were and where they are today. I hope we see some Dova core in the near future, which is all dragon shouts mm. and nothing but. <laughs> so, so get on it. <laughs> anyway, so start it off hex. So first, the where I, I, I'm most knowledgeable would be nerdcore hip hop. Like we've already mentioned, Frontlot started releasing tracks under the name of MC Frontlot to the uh, website Songfight. Here's another name. What? There's another name? He has another name? That's a real name. name? He has a real name. Shut up. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's... That's his God-given name. Okay. Uh, I won't tell Damien that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep interrupting. <laughs> Continue, I, please. I remember Song Fight. It's where I heard Yellow Laser Beam. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, back in 1999, that's where he started doing that. And then... When two, was Yellow Laser Beams? I think it was around there. Oh, Jesus And then Christ. in 2000, he released the, the track Nerdcore Hip Hop. Okay. Which coined the phrase... Between then and I, Z, you may need to correct me on this. Was it 2005 that the album Nerdcore Rising was released? Yeah, 2005, and then the tour was the the next year. Right, and that's when Nerdcore Rising, the the documentary, was filmed. And I think uh, Nerdcore for Life was also recorded that year. Mm-hmm. About the same time. Yeah, I think it was actually 2005. That was was that the year that Rhyme Torrent started picking up speed. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say again, sort of 2005 to 2006 was was the the Rhyme Torrents and the first Frontalot tour and the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> uh, Rhyme Torrents was a online community was specifically for nerdcore hip hop, and it was interesting where uh, this one gentleman, Jason Heisey Christie, uh, went around to all these different communities. <laughs> and we're, we're laughing because we got a high C story. I don't know, is it appropriate? Should we tell the high C story? I, I, we'll, we'll tell the high story story in a little bit. I've actually no, been High C stories are ever appropriate, oh, but no. we still tell them because they're damned entertaining. <laughs> but High C went around to all these different communities, uh, to all these people that were releasing nerdy rap and went, come to me, my children. We will hang out in one place where we can hang out together and made rhyme torrents. And uh, he found Devo Spice, who had been doing stuff separately for a while. Beefy. Under was, a separate name, right? Under si- it sudden, was death. sudden death at the yeah. time. Okay. Uh, Beefy, I just wanted to put that out there because that's always confused me. Right. But there we go. Beefy, who was doing stuff with uh, Albino Black Sheep. MC Router was doing her own thing. Optimus Rhyme were doing all their own thing. Like collected all the futuristic sex robots. All these different people were, were, were doing their own thing, be it inspired by MC Frontalot, MC Lars, MC Chris, Whitey Cracker, who are kind of seen as the four major players of the first generation of nerdcore hip-hop one way or another or because they were like those four were inspired because of their love of uh, hip-hop and they just started doing their own thing they just did it simultaneously without knowledge of other people doing it right and so the first rhyme torrents album i think that was 2005 it was a compilation album it had front lot on there it had mc hawking had optimus rhyme had a, a, a lot of good talent on there. And then the Rhyme Torrance community started to splinter because there was this whole argument of quality control. Man, and things got interesting. And, and an argument that we'd see repeated even in different subgenres such as OCR. Or the chiptunes communities. And so we have a whole segment just on quality control uh, after this one. Forthcoming. And so fast forward a little bit. Nerd Core Now popped up. 
Oh gosh, as was... an alternative to rhyme torrents. Uh, as... I, think, I think out of the ashes of rhyme torrents yeah. would be the way to. Where do we get to tell the high C story? <laughs> okay, so Nerdapalooza 2008. God damn it, we need Jay Jones for this. <laughs> that's where I, how I met Jay Jones. Gundam King. Gundam King, that's how I met him. So Nerdapalooza 2008, I don't know if... Uh, a- Adam, do you know who high C is? I know, I know him only by name and legend. <laughs> okay, so I, I think I've told this story to Z. I lived it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, two, Nerdapalooza 2008, Hi-C decides he's going to help Nerdapalooza, and we're like, cool, we're not going to really say no to anyone. You started Rhyme Torrents. That sounds awesome. It's going to be a lot of good press. Oh, yeah. Makes no, and he's, and he's telling us all these great things. Yeah, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. Then we start to realize, maybe this guy's full of shit. The, this is, and this is important. This is uh, Nerdapalooza the first year in Orlando. The year had bo- taste the, yeah, restaurant. At, at the, at, yeah, where it was at a restaurant that had a couple stages. And, 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 was, and it was approximately the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. I don't know how we scr- cramped Wait, see, 300 see, there? people there. Oh, I was, I was there. We had to take turns breathing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the year before MC Chris's first appearance yeah. in Nerdapalooza. Right. I, um, and before I Fight Dragons and before the Proto Men. And so at some no, point, at some point, okay. we pissed off High C. Well, was, I think s- I remember what it was. He wanted to fake his own death. And, and everyone was like, High C is dead. And then he was going to show up in Nerdapalooza and be like, I have risen. I am the Jesus of Nerdcore. And I think that's the point where we're like, you have gone crazy. Right, right. We do not want to work with you anymore. This is all accurate. And so he says, okay, screw you guys. I am driving down to Orlando and I'm putting a stop to Nerdapalooza. This man called up every... We, we were idiots and gave him the Nerdapalooza performer contact list. He called up every single performer saying Nerdapalooza is canceled. And then I had, after having a five-hour conversation, the first long, first major conversation I ever had with Mark with a C, I then had to personally call every single performer to tell them, no, I see is full of shit. Nerdapalooza is still going on. And then he drove down to a comic shop. See, he was going to stop Nerdapalooza. He's going to stop Nerdapalooza at the source. Nerdapalooza doesn't have a physical address. The only thing that had a physical address was one of the sponsors. The biggest sponsor of the year. The biggest sponsor of the year. Our beloved producers, a comic shop. A comic shop. So... I'm working one day, and this and Gundam King Jay Jones. It, we're just hanging out in the shop, me and him, and this crazy, crazy man comes in, and he is telling us that Nerdapalooza is a is a sham, and it, it, it's corrupt, and that Hex is a bad guy, and I'm just and I'm I'm just like whoa, like I know I'm dealing with a crazy person <laughs> like I, it was actually in like Aaron I think Aaron was there yeah. and Aaron can't handle crazy people because he he's is, too nice he's he, he's too nice and he's a little bit afraid of getting stabbed so he's like he's like I can't deal with crazy like you never know what they're gonna do and so and so Aaron kind of fled and I stood behind the counter safely and just kind of yesed him to death I was like uh huh uh huh and I left work because I think I called you or something I left work to go handle this because I was not cool with crazy person uh, uh, assaulting my my biggest sponsor because yeah <laughs> it was. Fortunately, he was the kind of crazy that just shut down at the first threat of physical intimidation. 
He, he left his mark, though. A, a comic shop has a very well-known bathroom that's been scribbled on by a bunch of famous performers and comic artists and comic writers. Front Lars Whitey and Chris have all signed the door. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And there's there's this huge crucified Superman. That uh, uh, Derek Robertson, the artist of the boys, drew. Yeah, and it says, uh, they'll love you until they hate you. Because... The bottom of it. Because he had a big falling out with DC when the boys got canceled from Vertigo and then got picked up by Dynamite. But anyway, that's why he drew a big crucified Superman. Right. Uh, to which I see, I see then, I guess, gets on the floor while he's like killing time and being found, crazy he, at a comic and shop. And he found red paint. And like, because I guess uh, we painted something red, like, I don't know. when Probably we, some zombie blood or, or something. Or something. No, I think it was when we had the V signing. Anyways, anyways. Right. But yeah, he, he writes, don't I know it. Yeah, they'll love you until they hate you. And then high C, don't I know it, high C. And then smears red paint, watered down red paint, so it kind of drips like blood yep. across uh, it. Left his mark permanently. <laughs> but then, like, that wasn't the end of it. He then sat in front of a comic shop because he wasn't allowed in the, in the store. <laughs> I just closed it down and left. When it did my thing, maybe I went downtown, maybe I went to a bar. I don't remember what I did. But then when I was dri- driving back, I saw his crazy van. His crazy van still there, and I was freaked out. And then when I had to open the store the next day, it was all gone. But there was this pile of paper he left behind, which was like this scientific thesis about lasers, written by whatever his real name is. I can't even remember. Jason Christie. Yeah, and it was, so I was, it was written by him, and it was actually really intelligent, like. And I was like, this guy is obviously really smart, but he's insane. (laughs) So that's the that's the high C story. I'm sure every single genre has some crazy like I know video game inspired music. I've heard horror stories from Doug about protricity. About how he is really, caused, yeah. Uh, I don't know the stories. I'm not going to tell the story okay. uh, secondhand. But Nerdcore now we're at Nerdcore now. They released their first. Yes, uh, that was the high C uh, interlude. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Nerdcore now. <laughs> yeah, and so Nerdcore continued to develop. There were new people join, old people leave, futuristic sex robots just vanish off the face of the earth. But now we have a new community, Nerdcore now, and it's going strong. Still, you know, what's, uh, you know what's really fascinating to me, and, and this is my plug for your Nerdapalooza Bandcamp digital downloads, is if you Thanks, go man. to, well, what's the, is it nerdapalooza.bandcamp.com? <sighs> Nerdapalooza Fest. Some motherfucker is sitting camping on nerdapalooza.bandcamp and doesn't have anything. <laughs> well, is, it the uh, same, is it the same guy that's camping on frontalight.com? Probably the same person would, who's also camping on nerdapalooza.com. That would be topical. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, so if you go and listen to, I, I think it's so fascinating to listen to those two versions of Nerdcore Rising on those albums because it has, it's like a little running catalog of the Nerdcore year by year players. Like it had Lars and Beefy on it one year, and then I forget who's the next year. Uh, well, actually, the first Schaefer year was on two thousand eight. First year, two thousand eight has Schaefer. Two thousand nine has Lars and Beefy, and two thousand ten has Mega Ran and Schaefer. Right there, you go. Which is like that's so 
awesome to like listen to those three those tracks in in consecutive tandem because you kind of get to hear this like because that song's always going to be like a huge celebration of nerdcore you know like regardless right. and it's it was cool to like have all these different players kind of get up and do their verses over it and i don't i don't like to toot my own horn i'll toot it for you yeah we got that's why you have other people in the show so you can uh you sit back and let other people toot you while, but, while, everybody, oh. while everybody listens <laughs> <laughs> i've been told nerd plays is also a crucial moment of nerdcore <laughs> I mean, absolutely, though, because for me, it was really like when I discovered there was a community because I, I had obviously been I mean, listening, but then I hadn't realized it was there was so many people, such an organized community until before Nerdapalooza. I also noticed that Chiptunes had Blipfest. Dementia has all their different cons that they go to. They they love cons. Oh, um, yeah. Wizard Rock also like they they have they've got their festivities. And VG, uh, video game inspired music, as well as they, they primarily have MAGFest, which has been going on 10 years now. And so all the other major communities had some place they could go to. Nerdapalooza kind of acted as, uh, for the longest time, like the home for, for Nerdcore to kind of, for the community to gather for the first time. But now, Hex, you've turned your back on Nerdcore. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm trying to have less of a focus on Nerdcore and more of a focus on nerd music. So hoping, I'm trying to encourage other people to make uh, a Nerdcore. Boycott. <laughs> No, don't you boycott. Because heaven forbid you should celebrate the entirety of the scope of nerd music. (laughs) But yeah, so chiptunes. Oh, that came out of nowhere. Okay, chiptunes. No, yeah, no, but that's that's nerdcore. That's nerdcore. Nerdcore. So chiptunes. Okay, so chiptunes. 1997, as we said, Oliver Witchow and Sebastian Burdock started working on music music applications for Game Boy. In 1998, the first chiptune track, Nanoloop, in Cologne, Which we heard per, was performed in Cologne. Since then, a whole community has started to blossom, and, and the different ways that people create the chiptune music, or Game Boy music, or chip music, however you want to call it, I just call it chiptune because that's how it was told it, to me. It's got different clicks in different parts of the world on different coasts of the same country. Chiptunes is all over. It's got different different styles, different regions. <laughs> there's East Coast and West Coast chiptunes. There are. And and there's 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 little communities that are so insular. Heaven forbid you try to get into them. And there's such a huge European contingent. Yeah. For chiptunes, obviously because of the because of the growth of of the movement. Like New York kind of is ground zero. Ooh, hold on. Let me rest- <laughs> No, no, no. Go with it. <laughs> What were we saying about the, the oh, start yeah. of, of uh, nerd, nerd music being around the 2000 kind of area? It's the ground zero? Right. Carry on, please. God damn it. So, uh, New York is kind of the ground zero for chiptunes. Really, Al-Qaeda created nerd music. <laughs> no! <laughs> I hate... Uh, no. Understand. So, I apologize. Um, no, no, New York is kind of a center for chiptunes in, in America, as I see it. I mean, Hex that's takes no responsibility for things that come out of our mouth. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> and as executive producer of Nerdy Show, I take full blame. <laughs> no, Blipfest came from there. Uh, 8-Bit Collective, and I'm pretty sure 8-Bit People, no, 8-Bit People and I'm pretty sure 8-Bit Collective as well, are, are kind of centered uh, out, of, or out of New York. 2006, I believe, was the first Blipfest. And since then, I, that was also the same year that BitShifter and Null Sleep did a world tour. They're the first shit, really. Ner- yeah, no, no, no. They went around and they pretty much they 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 plotted like, oh my gosh, there are ner- chiptune performers all over the world. So we will just go in this 
path around. Hats off to those guys. That's really ballsy. They circumnavigated the globe performing with chip tuners. Like, cool as be hell. it be wow. it in Moscow, be it wow. in Europe, be it in Japan. Shit, did they play the Tetris song actually in Moscow? They might have. They. <sighs> that's what cool. When you do that. <laughs> you lose a part of Red Square. Yeah. <laughs> Just disappears. It becomes red line. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh. You get a bunch of points. And so they're they're really big communities for for chip tunes. Eight bit people, eight bit collective, which is a great hubs for for people to. Like, Apic Collective music is just being poured out daily. I once had it on my RSS stream, and I couldn't follow it. There was at least 100 <laughs> tracks released a day. What? <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. I mean, but it's like, that's where you'll that's get... That's amazing, though. That's where you'll get, like, like if you really care about eight, uh, chip music, you want to go there. Because that's where Danimal was releasing prototypes of what became his Roots album. Yeah. That's where uh, Shinobubula from the video game scene will pop in and like, hey, here's a chiptune track. And so... I, I guess mentioning Danimal is a good opportunity, unless I'm, unless I'm overstepping your, your, your thought flow here, to mention the, the variety in chiptunes and how there's, you know, when you, when you throw in a legit instrument like an electric guitar, all of a sudden, there's a, there's a whole group of chiptuners that are calling foul on you. Right, right, no, and... Uh, or I guess that's probably the next segment, huh? That is, well, it is, but it's also like there is this whole movement of people that use instruments, like uh, Bud Melvin. He plays with a banjo. <laughs> That's wow. And then you have people like Annie Managuchi, where it's a live band, right? Performing with the music. We also, I also saw at Magfest uh, the Revengineers, which were much the same. Then you had Disaster Piece performing with a guitarist and a drummer, Chipocrit, which was just playing with a bass. To, to interrupt for a second, have you ever heard of Anna Managuchi referring to themselves as Nerdcore? No. No, no, no. Did they, no, no. they duck that label? Oh, never call them Nerdcore. I mean, I think you're pushing the line just calling them chip tunes. Like, okay. <laughs> they will, yeah. Uh, so they've got an opinion about that then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They, I mean, Animanaguchi, from what I've seen on their, their Twitter, are against, not, not really against, but they, they are strongly for creating original music. And so they actually kind of, I've seen bashing on video game inspired music from them. Weird. Okay. On their Twitter, but they're also it's like it's it's also meant to be taken tongue in cheek. It's not like they're like we are causing a war. But ready the line and attack OC Remix at dawn. Like they're not doing anything like that. <laughs> but they're all about making create original creative music. And, and have they ever really worked with anyone in the, the nerdcore scene or nerd nerdy scene, a nerdy something scene, a nerdy mean, blank scene? I don't know. Pilgrim video game. There's that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, they like, have. That's my biggest argument for them being chi- uh, classified as chip tunes is that they made a soundtrack for a a video game in the style of classic video games. Like, but as for your question, I I don't think Animan Gucci has ever performed with a nerdcore rapper or an instrumentalist, uh, a vocalist. And so yeah, and so there's there's a whole variety. There's uh, people like DJ Robo Rob who uses Fruity Loops that people scoff at. Yeah, people like uh, Mr. Spastic who back in 2007 was inventing new devices for making music. And then you have our boy Pixel Hate. 
Pixel oh, Hate, who actually, this is their first rest, opportunity. Rest in peace, my friend. Rest in yeah. peace. It's the first opportunity to mention it on the show. Pixel Hate recently officially retired from, or or at least uh, an indefinite, created an indefinite hiatus for himself from the music scene, at least as far as, as his personal recording scene. You know, he was, per- maybe last time we talked with him, he was working on a double album. He since discarded that entire project. He's focused now on both making his video games for, for like the Apple devices, which he's likely to still continue to create original music for as all video games need scores but really he's found that his passion is in teaching kids how to make music in many cases using chiptunes devices and the programs he's created and and the hardware he's created as well so while he as a as an artistic force is no longer producing albums he is in fact going to be responsible for putting the tools in the hands of new artists be they young children or up-and-comers and Pixelate, uh, for those that don't know, uh, not only did he use previously found objects such as a Game Boy, uh, he's also, he did circuit bending back in the day where he would take stuff like a Furby or a Speak and Spell and rewire them to make music. I, I once had this great opportunity in an interview where he was talking about where back in his day, he went by the name Hidden Fortress for certain shows where uh, they were doing illegal stuff like partying without a permit where he would only take his junk toys that way, if the cops ever showed up, he could just ditch them and run. <laughs> wow. And again, and this is a guy who, you know, made lots of uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and even DS ROMs available just specifically for people who wanted to experience uh, and experiment with chip music. And I, I always really admired that about him. And then he even went one further and took chip tunes to their logical extreme. Yeah, you want to go retro with your sound. It doesn't get more retro than obsolete. Where he had the opportunity to perform, not, not only perform at Bletchley Park, the computer museum in England, but he was given federal access. The keys to the kingdom. Of all of the old computers housed there. Everything from uh, the Colossus to old, like the first computer, which was a typing uh, calculator. And so that the, the performance obsolete was... It was bleeps, hums, percussion. Clicks, clacks. Any, any sound actually made by computers or, or, in fact, computing machines, no matter how analog they may have been. It's a true concept album, brilliantly deployed. I mean, it, it is... It is a mindfuck and a masterpiece at the same time. His his light dimming in the uh, in the chiptunes community uh, touches us all. But chiptunes is still going strong, and so you should check it out. And so we'll move on to wizard rock and fandom, fandom music. And I kind of say that because I know there's, as well as wizard rock, there's now like Time Lord rock. Is there now? Are all the Wizard Rocks converting to Time Lord Rock? Not like, all this is of happening. them. Not all of them. Some people are still handi- holding strong. And then I've even... Sherlock Rock? Sure. Oh, I'd love to hear some Sherlock Rock. <laughs> Indubitably. I, I know of uh, two local performers that uh, dabbled in in Twilight Rock. Oh, rock. the, twi- the Twihards. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was our own Aaron of the House of Black and Fred Lives. Yeah. They did the Twilighters. Yep. The Define fandom... Rock or whatever. It's, it's exactly. I, the way I kind of describe it uh, is a a musical community geared around one specific fandom. Like it's, it's very niche. If, it's very focused, and in a way, like if there was a a brown coats rock, 
the brown coats mixtape would fit there perfectly right and there there actually is a brown coats music community oh small but small but strong and it, this really kind of harkens back to the 50s 60s and 70s sort of the dawn of self-aware nerd rock the filt community yeah. which was all about fandom and you know getting together and, and doing shows and, and writing these songs can we, can we talk more about that what is this what's the name of this community the filk uh filk and filk science filk. fiction fantasy folk music from the yes. uh it's been around since the 50s really hit its stride in the 70s when there was this whole sort of sci-fi fantasy con explosion people have called the brown coast mixtape filk core not even joking. Wow. <laughs> and, joking. Uh, I've, and I've seen it and I was like, I guess I don't know what that means it's exactly. Funny. But. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> and then we have the uh, like the dementia and comedy communities that kind of call themselves Filk at times as well. And so it's mm-hmm. it's hard for me to figure out exactly what is Filk, what isn't Filk. But is yes, Filk? Is ti- what is Time Lord Rock exactly? Uh, Doctor Who centric. Okay, just make, I'm just making sure because <laughs> my song about Doc, the Never Watched Doctor Who has been called Time Lord this is anti time lord. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, I'm waiting for the year, the year anniversary of that song because I'm gonna release a still haven't watched Doctor Who, and I, <laughs> I'm gonna rap about everything I know about it because I know so much about that show right now without ever having ever seen a second of it on television. That I think it would be an interesting song. You should just call it "God Damn It Tumblr." <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Hex, there, there's really the, the blurred lines between uh, fandom music and uh, dementia music and just straight up geek rock. It's uh, it, they're, they're very fine lines there. And uh, I guess we should also I guess, talk, uh, describe what dementia music is. It's the pretty much comedy parody scene. Uh, they call themselves Dementia, naming themselves after Dr. Demento, who, for lack of a better word, really supported novelty music back in the day. Yeah, novelty music has always been a thing. It's been around since, I mean, hell, I could I could throw in some tracks, some... Uh, <laughs> throw in some Tom, uh, some, Tom Lehrer, some Alan Sherman. Uh, uh, no, oh, I'm going to yeah, go yeah, back... from the 50s and 60s, it, it, <laughs> tons of that stuff. I'm going to go back a bit earlier, gentlemen, and do some, like, 1920s kind of erotic parody songs. Oh, whoa. Like, I mean, like, novelty <laughs> songs have been around as long as there's been a record industry. Right. If you talk to one of these guys now, don't call the music novelty, because novelty is, is a very dismissive term. I, I got to interview the great Lukeski once, and, and during that he, he told me how, yes, his music has been called novelty. Please don't call it, call it that, because novelty is kind of like the wacky morning DJ where the song is disposable. It's good for a punchline and they're not good anymore. And the whole point of dementia music, of comedy music, of of the fandom music is that we're making something that, yes, it's kind of a snapshot of this fandom or this joke or this parody, yeah. but it's meant to still be something that like dare to be stupid. Weird Al's Weird Al was novelty music until he until he proved again and again and again that, that he's if not novelty, going anywhere. If novelty means you're going somewhere, he's not going <laughs> fucking anywhere. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I get and it's interesting that we bring this up in the context of, of Filk because uh, Hex, our, our friend Insane Ian, is a second generation right. musician. Both both his parents were Filkers. Wow, that's rich stock. <laughs> well hewn nerd. <laughs> I know, at least for the dementia community, the community that they've they've kind of built is the Funk, the Funny Music Project. Mm-hmm. And for them, they they go to all the cons. That is their bread and butter. They go there, they perform, they love it, they live it. And I think it's much the same for the Wizard Rock and fandom communities. I don't each. It's hard to talk about one fandom community because they all revolve around that specific fandom. 
like the music that sprouts from Harry Potter, that sprouts from Doctor Who. And so, and in a lot of ways, the more specific you get, the shorter a time span that fandom community has to produce music and have it really be significant. Right. Something I've always wanted, I've wondered, and I and I kind of feel awkward approaching this is: is there a shelf life for Wizard Rock? You fucking bet there. Yeah, it's gonna. Well, I mean, we we still have people writing songs about Lord of the Rings. That's true. I mean, when when's the last time one of those books was published that was worth a shit? Wizard Rock, there was enough of it that it could be its own thing, but it's going to get absorbed into the much broader filk spectrum. Like, the question is, will there still be a, like, like how many, how many Wizard would, Rock specific... Yeah, who's going to bother to identify as Wizard Rock in five years? And who's going to, uh, like, fall into more of the, the, the position that Carpe Geekdom is? Uh, kind of a, a filk group in uh, New mm-hmm. York that they were all involved in different fandom groups at some point, and now they're just like, well, let's just work together. Yeah. We're not specifically Wizard Rock. We're not re- specifically Time Lord Rock, but we are obviously Felk. We're funny, and and so it's 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 interesting seeing that's kind of how some of these go, and and the ebb and flow of of how these different fandom community musics go. And so I'm curious how much longer. Like I, I heard Draco and the Malfoys kind of came apart. Yeah, they 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 retired last year as well, which was apparently the thing to do. Yeah. Pixel Hate, Megaran, Draco and the Malfoys. Megaran retired? Wait, what? You, what? Well, the, the Megaran 10 was was sort of touted as being the final Megaran album. Oh. I didn't know that. I had no idea. There's only so much you can do with Megaran. I mean... Don't, yeah, I gonna, well, <laughs> speaking of people that are going to prove you wrong, <laughs> let's talk about the video game-inspired music community. So first, to take us into the second half of nerd music, what we have is Rage Street by Mega Driver, a Brazilian video game inspired band that gives much love to uh, the Sega f- franchises that you normally don't see in these American right. upstarts. Uh, most most video game music is in fact Nintendo music, and uh, they happen to be one of the few predominantly Sega or maybe exclusively Sega bands. After that, you will be hearing Grow Up by Mega Ran from the album Mega Ran, which came out in 07. The song that I heard 44 times in two months <laughs> <laughs> that I could probably sing along with, with you know, by myself. <laughs> do an acapella right now. No, don't do that. Just can't seem to go. <laughs> but you know what? 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 I don't what really, hex? I don't really want to. Okay, fine. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. No one's. No one's forcing I you. I think I. May have, well, I guess I haven't heard this song as many times live. But I, <laughs> no, dude, don't even try to get on that game. But I have heard, heard it so many times.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Mega Ran. And I'm Kay Murdoch. And we are Forever Famicom. And you're listening to Nerdy Show. Yeah. yeah. I just can't seem 
anybody who's ever been teased for being a nerd. Don't sweat it, it's gonna be alright, man. Fast come and go, but intelligence, it never went out of style. Keep reading them books, though. But, uh, lose the suspenders and the pocket protector. Mega Rand signing off. from that we have uh, as promised 62 miles by bud melvin the uh banjo chiptune performer 
Yeah, he's definitely one of a kind and really freaking awesome. <laughs> so, 1999, late 1999, OC Remix was opened. The doors to OC Remix were opened. Shortly after, the mini bosses formed. They weren't the first video game inspired band, but they were definitely one of the most influential. Yeah, th- I mean, this is like the, the era of Napster. I mean, that one I will credit Brandon our co-host completely with introducing me to he was like holy crap rock versions of video game music and it was just it was like what the fuck is going on how am i seeing this in my lifetime i mean we had bands before this like ozma i think before that was performing uh tetris live right and people would go shit over that and then ozma was like oh we're gonna play the rest of the songs and everyone's like well that's why i came for yeah. <laughs> you know, Tetris is Tetris, but, but Final Fantasy... Or Castlevania, or yeah. Zelda. And so, in 2001, I first got my Impact OC Remix, and I found about the their first big album project, Project Majestic Mix. And I, I was a supporter of that, and I, I haven't looked back since. I've just been crazy about it. And then the following year, in 2002, was the first MAGFest, except then it was the Mid-Atlantic Gaming Festival. It wasn't until the following year that they became the Music and Gaming Festival. And it was at MAGFest 1 that both the mini bosses performed and the one-ups performed for the first time wow. ever. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. Since then, there have been interesting schisms in the, in the remix communities. At some point, OC Remix started... Quality control. Quality control. Other communities like Overlooked Remix were created, yeah, yeah. as well as VG Mix. And, and also, I mean, it's important to say that quality control is necessary. I guess we're going to probably talk about this more, but quality control is necessary, but it was it was something that was very criticized, which right. actually led to the creation of these other communities because of how stodgy they felt they were being. Right. Wait, OC wait, Remix. I'm sorry. What is, what is quality control when you guys refer to it like that? What it's, do you mean? It's essentially a peer review process as far as OC Remix right. is concerned. OC Remix, uh, in order to release a track on there, that you had to have, have it go through a panel. Many Still, pe- right? To this day? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't and, sure if the methodology had changed much, but... And we'll talk We'll talk more about this in the next segment. I, I, uh, I want to uh, fly through sure, this. Sure. And so, other communities, VG Mix, which was more about releasing works in progress, and Overlooked Remix which was more about releasing joke tracks that would never see the light of day at OC Remix. <laughs> uh, that's actually where uh, where We Spellmont first surfaced. We But back in the day, Michelle Riley's Music of My Groin was released on uh, OC Remix. And nowadays, that would never, never, never would have passed. Mm. The communities continue to grow. Bands continue to just populate. Not only do you have bands like uh, the Mini Bosses and the Megas in the year 2000X, you also have bands that are spinoffs of music, be it Chromalodian, which was a band that was, while they did some covers, they also, their whole focus, the focus was more on creating music that could have felt comfortably in the Super Nintendo era of original music. And then you also have people like Los Protomenes. Yeah. Their, their music is obviously inspired by video games, but in concept only. Not in the music. By the way, that's Spanish for the proto men. Uh, they 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 said it in Spanish one time, and it got us repeating it. And we can't stop. We can't right. stop. It's, it sounded really cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm always very fascinated with stuff like the Pterodactyl Squad, where you have oh, these yeah. groups that that uh, do these theoretical video game soundtracks. That's always been something that's been very enticing to me. I think just the the, the spirit. Of game music. Last year, Remix the Sauce, which is run by our pal Doug, released 
Fasto the Speed Hog 2 soundtrack, which was meant to be a uh, ins- like tracks inspired by Sonic the Hedgehog. But not, but kind of, but not. Right, right. right. It's, in, it's in the same vein of what, what Sonic would sound like. And then they also have a community called Dwelling of Duels, which is mm-hmm. all about instrumental video game covers. And their process is every month there's a competition and you submit music anonymously and you don't. So people aren't going, oh, I'm going to vote for this because this is Vert or this is Blind or this is Aleshawn. I'm voting for this because it's good. Or those with a well-trained ear can go, oh, I know this is Danimal. Mm-hmm. But you're still giving it that critical listen. Right. And so MAGFest 10, speaking of the logical conclusion of what is video game music, Nobuo Uematsu and the Earthbound Papas performed at MAGFest. And right after year 2000X got off stage after performing uh, Dancing Mad with three guitars, Nobuo mounted the stage and went, cool, here's Dancing Mad. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome. Today, Overlooked Remix is still going strong. VG uh, Mix has kind of fallen to the wayside, but it sounds like VG Mix Four is going to be re- re- uh, is going to be born. OC Remix is going strong and pumping out uh, scores of albums a year. Ridiculous yeah, amounts of, of albums, all very very well done. You'll have little communities like the Bad Dudes, where it's Mustard and his handpicked remixers working together on albums. Like uh, they just released a Metroid album, which was mind blowing. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's where video game is. And then, and then the final little group is uh, I kind of label it as geek rock. And this is this is all the musicians that fall into nerd music, not because they identify as it, but because they are fucking nerds. Like Kirby Crackle. Kirby Crackle. When I met Mark with a C, he was like, oh, like he, he he found out about Nerdapalooza by finding a flyer. He's like, holy shit! Two questions. What is Nerdapalooza? And why am I not playing it? And if you listen to Mark's music, it's not, I'm in your face, I'm a nerd, but holy shit, I'm a nerd. Like, yeah. like <laughs> I, 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 he is a nerd making music. Right, yeah. nerd, nerd life, nerd problems, playing with Star Wars guys, all that stuff. Right. You'll have people like Stovacore, which is Klingon metal. You have people like Monster Face, where it's like, they are a, ra- they are a rock group about so- sock puppets. Like, where does that fit? But it's certainly nerdy, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Is this also, is this where you would put They Might Be Giants and Jonathan Colton? And stuff yeah, like this is definitely yep, where yep. I put that. I mean, uh, Jonathan Colton, like, he kind of, he kind of treads the, the, the realm of dementia and filth, but I'd more put him soundly here. Yeah, it's, it's everybody. It's everybody from the mellow, dulcet tones of Jonathan Colton to the uh, library thrash of Blood Hag. I think. <laughs> yes, uh, Blood Hag. Which again, I mean, I, I actually just did an interview um, for this website, and they, I get asked, "What is your biggest musical influence?" And I always, the first person I always say is, I always say, "It's it's hard to connect the dots. Most people wouldn't immediately see it, but it is Jonathan Colton. Like he is the guy that I modeled how I approach nerdy subjects with an intent to hopefully have emotion or or, or not spin it to the most logical conclusion." because I was listening to a ton of Jonathan Colton's thing of weeks and all his music back when I started doing Adam Warlock stuff after I'd taken a hiatus from making music for years. And I fell in love with his music first. And then I said, I want to make music like this. That's probably, I mean, honestly, that's probably what started. I just happened to be a guy that made hip hop and that's what started me making music for my website was because I was like, I want to make music like Jonathan Colton makes like where he makes skull crusher mountain or, I crush everything or something like that. I want to make music like this, but in hip hop form. So like he is, 
he's the biggest influence on me modern wise of the, the stuff that I do. And most people would never ever <laughs> think that it was John and Colton was like the hugest influence on me. So that's awesome. Well, the, the weird thing is Eugene, your stories are uncannily similar because you were yeah. both very much career guys who just had this breaking point where you just said, you know what? I have to give making music a try. Yeah. And I, I, I hope someday to meet him and tell him, I mean, I, I sent him an email when I released starving artists just to his like website address. and was like, Hey, this is my story. I want you to know you're a big part of why I decided to quit my job because he, it was, I mean, I, I've, I've read that, that blog post when he quit his job. I go back to that post a lot when I'm in those dark nights, when I <laughs> think I made a mistake. He's, he's somebody that uh, is very, very important to my musical history. And it's so funny that he's not like, I mean, he's connected with Front. He's done a song with Front before, but like, he's very much not a hip hop guy at all. Like he's, he's a guy that makes- Well, you've, you've heard his, uh, his cover, Baby Got Back. I think yeah. he's, a, he's a little bit of a hip hop guy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's I don't I'm not sure if it actually made post or not. But when I interviewed him for Geek Dad a number of years ago, he had said something about you know it was the the fact that he had a, a child on the way that really made him go after this musical dream. And there was this sort of idea that you know how can you tell your kids that they can grow up to be whatever they want and you don't even try, right? Yeah. And that was just always a very very strong sentiment for me. It's awesome. What about comic book rap, guys? Isn't that like the rising? That's, that's not even. That's not even a thing. Nope. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, so so real quick, I once met this group, the Tonberries, and they had psychedelic inspired video game music. Like they would have just like this totally strung out chase the star man, and they're like, "What's our genre? Like, can we have a genre?" I'm like, "That's if you're the only guys doing this." You're either you're, you're you're I hate to tell you you're experimental. That's what you are. If you don't you know fit anywhere funny? else, people have actually have taken offense to me using that phrase that I use every. Well, I, I've started to embrace it and use it everywhere, which is like the internet's foremost comic book rapper. Because <laughs> yeah. I was always, it, it was actually said in a review of I think this man, this MC, and it was a totally nice review. I'm not making fun of the guy who reviewed it. He was very nice, and he's, I've actually spoken to him since then because I think he saw me tweeting about. It. He's like, I think that was me, and I was like, oh man, I'm not making fun of you, like. It's just a funny concept because it's like you're the foremost guy of this thing that no one else really. <laughs> <laughs> What's weird about it is that if you, have you ever talked to have you ever talked to Jesse Dangerously about the shit storm when he started saying uh, Halifax rap legend Jesse Dangerously? <laughs> I haven't actually. I know him, but I haven't talked to him about that. I should ask him about that. Ask him about the Halifax rap legend thing. It's pretty funny. I mean, go back to any nerdy show episode where we focus on music before. Adam Warrock's debut, and we'll we'll talk about how well Word Burglar does some comic book tracks, and how Jesse Dangerously maybe flirts with that a little bit. But we were bitching oh, yeah. about the complete. These guys were always like, whining. I, I, like seriously, why, I was upset. Why is Nerdcore focused on video games exclusively? It's what like, is wrong with them? Kids, kids play video games, but they don't pick up a damn comic book. Like, Bullshit. Yeah, before you, it was a couple of beefy verses and like a half of a word burglar song. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and only and only a few of them were like something where you're like, oh man, this guy really knows what he's talking about. It's not just like, oh, I know Spider Man and Batman and whatever. Yeah, like, like, but, like it's so funny because it's like when me. And Tribe were making that first album. We were laughing about the fact we were googling comic book rap and like Silver Age hip hop because we were making up that name. We we made up that song while we were at the studio because we had to rewrite it. And we were just like, "How has no one ever done this? Like even as a joke? Like why does no one do this? This is such a fertile area for like things to be made into songs." 
And man, I hope it becomes a thing. I hope there are more people, but still, you're probably going to stay at the me, forefront of it. Me and Kirby Crackle, I mean, Kirby Crackle is a group that, you know, makes a lot of comic stuff and they are very comic aware. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, one of their Kirby members Crackle. is the guy who runs Emerald City Comic Con. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Jimmy. Yeah, Jim, Jim's a good guy. And we we want i mean like it's funny because it's like i hope that there are more people because if there are good people making good music we welcome them with open arms it's not like a thing that we're trying to like make our fort and no one else can get into it it's just like please (laughs) please make you know make good music and make our stuff like we would love to work with more people and have fun and you know have more people in the community so that's not necessarily an open invitation for everyone to start writing about comics because, uh, you know, <laughs> Man, if it make, moves sure, you, make sure the quality is there, then you can join in. Yeah, if the spirit moves you. So. so, ladies and gentlemen, we are, this episode has gone crazy haywire, much better than we ever anticipated. <laughs> it's dense. It's uh, fat packed. So we've made a decision as we were recording the, the episode. Yeah, on the fly. This is going to be a two-parter. Yeah. Uh-oh. We're gonna have some some special segments uh, about. Mike's uh, about to crash a car. Yeah. You don't know if he's gonna live or die. <laughs> it's, it's, Mike is driving. How can this be? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a puppet of me. Like, <laughs> um, and so and the puppet meows. <laughs> kitty kitty meow meow. And you can tell it's getting late. So we're gonna we're gonna cut. We're, we're gonna we're gonna cut this right here. Hex, what's gonna take them out? Take them out. We got two songs for them. What I have is "Girl Fight" by Pixel Hate from Bo- the Boy with the Digital Heart, the 2008 release. And then following that shortly is from 2007, "Triangular," the jaw-dropping anthem by Chromalodian from their final recordings that was released in 2007. This is the the end of Return of the Jedi for them. Of their career. Yeah. Yeah. But really, this is for the end of Empire Strikes Back for us. No, this for is, the, this is the, the Luke and Vader fight. <laughs> okay, cool. Come on, you can accept that. It's not a perfect film, but that part's really good. Which Luke and Vader fight? <laughs> no. Okay, see, see you in part two, guys. Enjoy these chip tunes. So, oh, God. I, I wish I was you listening to this for the first time. Enjoy. I only have a problem with the Ewoks.
Hello, this is Pixel Hay, and you're listening to The Nerdy Show.
Hey, fandom, it's me, Aaron Holland, and I, um, the number two big shot in Orlando, and I hired Michael Pan out, which was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> I want to uh, thank uh, you, you all for listening. Nerdy Show is uh, brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, at the Oviedo branch of a play and trade. If you have questions and comments, or complaints, please feel free to send them to info at nerdyshow.com. Feel free to listen to more episodes of Nerdy Show at nerdyshow.com or the iTunes store by searching for Nerdy Show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Nerdy Show. There, I did it without being racist. Are you happy? I'm Aaron Holland and I'm a racist. (laughs) I guess I'm a little bit older than the up and coming nerd crowd that listens to nerd music because it's like, I'm getting phone calls at a comic shop. When does the concert start? And I'm like, well, the flyer said doors were at five. And they're like, so I should show up at four to get a seat. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no. Have you ever been to a show? Doors doors mean, yo. (laughs) It's like doors are at five, which means the act is probably not going on for an hour or so. <laughs> like, and and then there's maybe. An so you're saying four thirty? I'm like, no. <laughs> okay. They want to know what time to line up for the doors. Yeah, it's nerds. <laughs> is just this the l- line for beer? The lines for tickets for beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I just nerds are like, oh my god, the Wii's coming out. Let's get in line. Like, no, this stop queuing. No, yeah, stop it. This isn't a video game release. This is a concert. I have that- no regrets. Uh, I, I don't. I, Dude, I'm glad you did it. Guess who, guess who was at Magfest that I didn't get to meet? Triforce. Uh, Triforce Johnson. Triforce Shut Johnson. up. His arch nemesis was there. You didn't challenge him on Mike's behalf. No, because I was at all the music and he was at a Fuck panel. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Triforce Johnson doing Do your the panel. damn job. Antagonize that man. We, we he's don't apparently know. a legend in the video game scenes because he stood in line forever. He's, for the, he's the dude game. who's always first in line at every Times Square launch of a Nintendo product. Who, who, no, has an, who has an arch nemesis? Which one? Well, nah. Triforce Mike's arch nemesis that he's just, I guess, just now learning about is Triforce Johnson. No, I know who Triforce Johnson okay. is. Okay. <laughs> I know who Triforce Johnson is. He's my oh, nemesis. trust By me, the way, no. do you know you know this guy? There's a guy named Adam Warlock who's an actual rapper. Have we talked about this before? No! <laughs> what? <laughs> I, might to, I might get in trouble for this. I'm going to not say anything mean because I don't have anything mean to say. But there's this guy whose actual MC name is Adam Warlock. And oh he's gosh. in Brooklyn. And he's like an indie rapper. He's not a nerd at all. He's just an indie rapper. And what? I guess he, he got kind of confused. He was tweeting about me earlier last year and was like, who is this dude? Why is he named my so style. close to my name that I've had for like this many years? Why are you named after a comic book, fool? Well, yeah, that, that's what I always said. I was like, well, you didn't really get that name originally either. So, and it's not my fault. I had no earthly idea who you are. So we get confused sometimes. It's really funny because he makes vastly different music than I do. Just check, check him out. You should check him out. You guys should do a collab. For some reason, this reminds me of when I would go around Full Sail and promote that we would have a certain comic book artist signing uh, uh, at our store. We had Ethan Van Skyver coming in. So I was going around saying, hey, we've got the artist of Green Lantern coming in. We've got the artist of Green Lantern coming in. Full Sail has a recording arts program. And I get all these guys going, yo, dog, you got DJ Green Lantern coming in? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, no, fuck you. No, fuck you. (laughs) Like, then what the fuck's Green Lantern? And I'm like, 
You tell me, asshole. <laughs> There's also this guy. I, also, I should also say that if you look up Adam Warrock on Facebook, there is an actual guy whose name is Adam Warrock who, like, lives in the Philippines or something. Wow. And um, That's amazing. I apologize to that guy for ruining his SEO for the rest of his life because... It's spelled exactly like the Adam Warrock that I took. Whatever he can, he can be a kitty diddler, and and he'll they'll never they'll never really get the right search because it'll just be you. <laughs> yeah, he can do whatever the fuck he's he wants. He's gonna live under the smokescreen of your fame. Once again, <laughs> once again, never thought Adam Warrock would be the name that I'm stuck with. It was it was like beyond my grasp before I could grab it back. I think when um that's that's also I mean like everybody says that astronautist says that everybody says that. Yeah, it's like probably when Ira Glass came out, I was just, by the time I just did it as a joke, and then it was like, oh, it's on PRI. Well, I guess it's my name now. (laughs) (laughs) By by the way, does Ira Glass know about that song? He did. He emailed me once. He was like, Ira Glass at thisamericanlife.org. And it's, I forget what the subject was. It was like something very innocuous. It's just some like donor drive email or something. And then I opened it up. Dear Eugene, <laughs> hi, I'm Ira Glass. <laughs> I heard this comment you made about me, and he was very nice about it. He was like, if somebody came up to you and told, if a stranger came up to you on the street and told them that they named their baby after you. <laughs> so it's a very weird feeling, but I give you like the full blessing to do whatever you want with it, and I wish Aww, you all the luck. That's awesome. so he was very nice about it. That reminds me when MC Hawking actually got permission from the Hawking, from Hawking himself, Stephen Hawking saying, I acknowledge what you're doing, and I find it hilarious. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Doesn't get much more. Man, I mean, if 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 it all fails in the end, and I have to go back and get an office drone job and hate my life, at least I can say that Nathan Fillion tweeted about me and Ira Glass emailed me. Yeah, no, all said that's done. that's how I'm looking at Nerdapalooza. I'm like, man, I don't care. Like, even if uh, everything goes to hell, I'm proud of the tattoo I got. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.